Hello, and welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And on this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. This week, we'll be talking about chapter 18 as soon as we get some quick dental work. Oh. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Having both of us recently had to have some emergency tooth <laughs> um, <laughs> attention, <laughs> it's been at the top of my head. I, I Every time I have to go back to the dentist, I'm like, remember the tooth, as if I could forget. The tooth. Yeah. <laughs> big chapter. It is. No, not- it's actually, it's not big in size, but mm. monumental. Wow, we're reaching a big turning point in mm-hmm. this book. Because soon we're going to be Where stuff starts happening. A different yeah. section. Yeah, things are happening. Yeah. Uh, and as we noted last time, uh, you know, as soon as Jessica thought, everything is going to start turning out okay it's not she will she does say now we'll see some action yeah and boy talk about your monkey's paw may you live in interesting times yeah (laughs) i mean everything in this is sort of a fortune cookie so Mm -hmm. as this week we get to start with a song that we're going to read as a poem because i wouldn't know even how to begin. Yeah, I I very much was like picturing like this being like a creed song or like one of those <laughs> shitty like early aughts borderline inspirational bands. Like that's kind of the growly sort of sound I heard in my head when I was reading this. Uh, so as always, we start with a selection from something written by the Princess Arula. This time it comes from Songs of Muad'Dib. Him. Do you wrestle with dreams? Do you contend with shadows? Do you move in a kind of sleep? Time has slipped away. Your life is stolen. You tarried with trifles, victim of your folly. Dirge for Jameis on the funeral plane. <laughs> um, um, I think you should steer a clear in a dirge for someone of poking at how they died. <laughs> Right, I would be like, well, you'd still be here if you weren't such a fucking loser. Victim of your folly. Hmm. You tarried with trifles. Like, oh, wow. You know, his wife Megan, is here. I'm just, you know, I don't think Paul's a good guy, Megan. I just, oh, wow, what a little pill he is. <laughs> You're feeling old. it even more than me because you read ahead. Yeah, I was I was rereading ahead, and I was just like, "Oh, that's right. He just becomes a true little pill, yes. just a little sass pot." And <laughs> right. Mm. Well, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there in the coming weeks. This week does not have any Paul. No. It just well has Lido. Yep, it's just Lido. Just this one man show. Well, technically a two man show, but mm. um, we're kind of picking up. As with the last chapter, picking up right where we left off, there's hasn't really been any time passing. It's the same night. Leto's looking at a message that he's gotten by a friend. Did they say a Fremen courier, I think? Yes. Yeah. And the message is something along the lines of, a column of smoke by day, a pillar of fire by night. Great. Which has me really scratching my chin. Like, Okay. Again, I mean, I'd be the worst in this. I'd be like, okay, thanks for this. Um, this is trash. Even How he doesn't you? know. He's like, what does this mean? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't need this. You know Jessica would know what that means, like, immediately. He, we do learn that he has not slept mm-hmm. for days. He's been on these anti-fatigue pills. So he's already just like, I don't know what this means. I haven't slept <laughs> in, like, a week. He's making great judgment, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I I think that, you know, that's that's a problem with with many cultures like our culture today is that you don't always have to be on Lido. Mm-hmm. Like you can take just a little time. You can take some yeah. sleep. Just a little nap. Yeah. Um, um <laughs> we have a mutual friend who has like a very busy work life and then also has other pursuits like podcasts and artwork and stuff that he does. And I was asking him like what are you going to do with your day off cuz it's this week is 4th of July is tomorrow or Thursday. Yeah. So he said, oh, I'm going to like three podcast live shows and then a movie. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> like, I love you. You're going to die. Like, you could just take a little nap. Yeah. Like, you can just take some time for yourself and not feel like you have to experience everything. But, you know. Uh, but th- that, you know, it, it's this, you know, it's our, you got to get it culture. Mm hmm. You, you, you know, you don't I don't have subscribe to... to that. No, nor I. No. When I when someone says you gotta get it, I always assume they're referring to naps. Mm-hmm. Lean into the couch. Mm-hmm. There I will read a book about <laughs> I don't know, a Duke that isn't yeah. this Duke. Right. Um a, a good old Sarah McLean Duke. A good a old sexy Tessa. Duke. A nice yeah. Duke. A Duke in a cravat. Uh, I'm sure he's wearing some sort of... Well, he's wearing like a military jacket at all times. Mm-hmm. There's no casual wear. Um, but you can't just run on pills. Mm-mm. Just, um, it's a little late for poor Lido for me to give him any life advice at all. But, hey. Yeah. I mean, I guess it worked for Rush Limbaugh for a long time, but... Ooh, hey <laughs> Topical! <laughs> um, so, yeah, Lido's deciding... You know, he first he thinks, damn that Duncan Idaho. It's not Duncan Idaho's fault. Yeah, it's just like, whatever. It was your fault. And he decides, like, I'm going to make good. I should have told her what I was doing in the first place. I'm going to go find her and talk to her. Oh, because also, just enough time has gone by where Thufer has already run and tattled to Daddy. Yeah. About his meeting guy. with Jessica. I mean, we don't know how much because he doesn't. I, I don't know if he told him about the voice because he mm-hmm. I think he would be thinking something about that. But everything else, like he already, you know, oh, yeah. and I know it's his job and he has to report, but he was tattling to daddy. Yeah, no, like, he's, he's a mm. piece of shit. Fuck that guy. And so he's just like, well, should I tell her? Maybe I shouldn't tell her. I'll blame Duncan Idaho. I won't <laughs> blame Duncan Idaho. Dang it. You know, and then he decides he's going to go tell her. So he's like, I'm going to do this because (laughs) uh, there's just so many decisions being made when it's too late now. (laughs) Everyone's just like, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to work together. It's like, no, guys, a week ago, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's too late. I'm waiting for like a, a Stephen King type. You know, as he walked down that hallway, he didn't know he would never see a hallway again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody does author intrusion like King, I'll tell you. <laughs> On so many levels. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give me. Uh. <laughs> Now's not the time. 
That comes later, guys, because I have some thoughts on another teenage sasspot and his relationship <laughs> with his mom. Um, so he hears something weird. Mm -hmm. It's a mewling, which I don't enjoy. Well, first he goes out in the hall and he notices he sees a dead body and it's Tuick, the smuggler. Oh, and he, he was they were hoping would, you know, help get the family off of Arrakis if things went south. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. I also note that he almost turns on his shield, but doesn't. Mm -hmm. So we all we have been told is how much these guys love their shields. Mm -hmm. Non-stop Well, he doesn't want to be slowed down. Yeah. Because you're in a big special effect from 1984. Um, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, a, come on. Paul almost gets killed mm -hmm. by the Hunter Seeker because he, his shield belt is on his bed. Mm -hmm. And now Leto's just like, I can turn on my belt. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you guys. Harg. <laughs> and I know it's because he's thinking about the laser guns. Mm -hmm. But also... No, just put on your damn shield. Yeah. <laughs> this is the whole point. I Plus, feel this like guy was clearly stabbed. Bumble into the wrong decision at every point. I feel like if you get shot with a laser gun, there's not a blood stain on your tunic. Mm -hmm. So let's right. not assume that it's the laser guns. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, yeah, so it's Tuik. He's dead. He doesn't know why he's there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he hears this mewling and he keeps going and it's near the room where it's the uh, generator room for the shield generators. Mm -hmm. um, and it is the shout out mapes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pour one out for the shout out mapes who has been stabbed to death. Almost. She, she manages to get out a few little words uh, that a guard was killed. Someone mm -hmm. sent for Tuick that mm -hmm. they should try to escape. Yeah. And then she's gone. Yeah. Poor lady. Uh, he feels for her pulse at the temples, which I was kind of like, all right, no, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Unconventional, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I read it and I was like, huh, well, all right. It's probably something like someone's going, well, obviously that's what, you know, but I didn't <laughs> know that. Nor uh, I. So, so. <laughs> Then he's just like, okay, wait, what? Someone stabbed her. <laughs> Who would stab her? Did she mean someone killed a guard? Why is Tuik here? Did Jessica mm -hmm. send for Tuik? And it's like, oh my god. And then he Boy, hears something. It, isn't it time for a poison dart? <laughs> <laughs> that's a poison dart noise, everybody. That's that's what they sound. Um, <laughs> and then he tries to turn on his damn shield, and it is too late. Yeah. Um, he has been hit in the neck. Or by the arm, in the arm. I just assume it's the neck because it's always the neck in movies. But it was his arm. Uh, he was shot with a dart gun. Mm -hmm. By... You want to take it? The reveal. Oh, yes. By Dr. Yui, <gasps> who everyone knew was the traitor. <laughs> and I got to tell you, like, I, I've already told you, but I'm going to tell the listeners. Mm. Uh, I was listening to the audiobook for this, and... <laughs> Like, most of the chapters don't have music or they kind of have this ambient, like, bell tone kind of thing going on. But this was, like, crazy music. <laughs> like, very David Lynch sort of background score. And then, like, they brought in a whole... Like, it was a whole nother voice actor just for this chapter 
for Yui. Like, it was not the same person that had been doing Yui's voice up until now. It was, like, a totally different voice. Or if it's the same actor, then my hat's off and kudos. Because he was, like, he sounded actually quite villainous in this chapter, which I thought was maybe, like, an interesting choice. Yeah, maybe I... not the correct choice, but um, the music was off the <laughs> charts. It was crazy. Like it was loud and it was spooky, like through the whole thing. And I'm just like, yes. So all in all, great, great chapter. Uh, he can he's Lido uh, realizes mm -hmm. that he is being paralyzed yeah. and that Yui has turned off the generators. Yeah, and he even then he's like, no, it can't be Yue. And I'm oh just like, God. for fuck's sake. It's like, believe the evidence in front of your eyes, dude. So there's, and this is, you know, a tad hypocritical of me because there's mm -hmm. a scene later that I talked to you about earlier where Jessica starts putting stuff together and Paul mm -hmm. is going, well, God, why is she so slow? Why can't she figure this out? Because he's had his, like, great awakening or whatever mm, is happening whatever. to him. Um, and I was reading that and going, like, on you, little kid. But that's sort of how I feel right now with Lita. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> uh, so Yue is sad. Yeah. Like, well, okay, yeah. Tears for Yue. Um, he continues thinking it can't be him. And, the, you know, Yue points out that it's, he doesn't specify right here that it's about his wife, but he's just like, you know, some things are more, you know, even beat this. Uh, but he, what he wants to do is kill the Baron. He wants to kill Baron Harkonnen, and he is going to use Leto to do it. Mm -hmm. um, because he knows that the Baron is not going to let Yui get close to him. Uh, even though he wants to be able to see him because he'll be able to know if his wife is alive or dead because she taught him enough about telling when people are telling the truth, which I think mm -hmm. is kind of BS, like, but whatever. Yeah. Wana told him what he wanted to hear. Um, and I like that he is very much, he, Yui is just like, well, they would have killed you anyway. So really, I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, guy. <laughs> But what he is going to do is replace a fake tooth that the Duke already has, like a new tooth, mm -hmm. uh, with another tooth that is yes. full of poisonous gas. Yes. Like he's a Cold War spy. Yeah. Um, which I would be super nervous to have that in my mouth just in general because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a tooth grinder. I'm mm -hmm. a chewer. Same. same I would yeah. be worried. <laughs> I'm assuming that that you know my my temporary crown is not full of poisonous gas, but mm -hmm. hey, fingers crossed. Who knows? I mean, we're just guessing. Living on the now. edge. <laughs> uh, yeah. So and he just keeps. It's it is very important, but he does yeah. keep saying, "Remember the tooth." <laughs> yes, Which... and I I like this very elegant sort of description of Leto like losing consciousness. And, like, his vision narrowing to a pinpoint where it's just Yui's purple lips saying, remember the tooth. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Like, oh. That's what I needed. Nightmare. But he's, First you know. First his mustache, which I enjoyed that visual as yeah. well. It's like he's just <laughs> focusing, focusing on the mustache. And then it's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> now it's just a freaking sapo juice. Yeah. 
but um, at first he's he's kind of resistant to it. He doesn't mm-hmm. really want to help. Yeah, and he's like he can't talk. Uh, he can, but uh, Yue advises him not to because it really mm-hmm. takes up a lot of energy. Uh, but he, so Yue does promise. He knows that the Baron is going to basically, you know, lord it over Leto and get mm-hmm. right in his face, and that's why he can utilize this gas. Uh, but he does promise that he's going to get Jessica and Paul out. I don't know if I'd, you know, trust it as much as I could throw him at that point. I'd be like, you just but, shot me with a dart. Yeah. He does say that he's going to put him with people that hate the Harkonnens more than anyone that would, like, burn a chair that if they knew a Harkonnen sat in it, which I thought was kind of fun. I mean, wasteful, but fun. <laughs> I mean, you could just disinfect it, but whatever. And I... I... I doubt the real oomph of the statement salting the ground where a Harkonnen is walked on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a nice visual, but it really doesn't mean a whole lot in a desert, dude. Yeah. Um, he Oh, and he takes uh, Leto's signet ring for Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he says, remember that tooth. Mm-hmm. Just remember it. Just bite that tooth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do it, tooth. Yeah, he's like, I want to kill someone, but not you, my poor Baron. Yeah, and don't you know, give me my poor Baron right now, dude. Like... Yeah, or no, my poor Duke. Sorry, not my poor Baron. Oh yeah, yeah. He he just basically like lays his whole plan out because what's he got to lose now? Mm-hmm. And it the the tooth looks exactly like a real tooth because they might yeah. scan him or I guess doodads and. Hmm. Various things. You got to remember that tooth. Remember it. So uh, that's, and that's pretty much the chapter, a short chapter, but wow, a lot going on. A lot of last minute, too late for your ass realizations. Yeah. Poor. That, that kind of stuff always reminds me of even the sort of the grandiose, uh, like 80s romance epics that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like your Judith Crances, your yeah. you know, Shirley Connors. There's always something like that. There's always somebody who realizes that they, they love their husband or that they've mm-hmm. made a fool of themselves running after the wrong woman. I mean you're Scarlett O'Hara's if you want. Yeah. To, you want and to. then like their ship blows up. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's always just like, oh my life is my life is wonderful. I just I have to do these things and then they mm-hmm. die in a horrible house fire. You know? It's yeah. just like, oh, that's what you get for thinking these these thoughts. I mean, Nicholas Sparks does this in every book and they're all shitty books. So Well, I mean, not that I've read any of them. I've just seen like I remember the first Nicholas Sparks movie I saw was Message in a Bottle and I was like, "Okay, I'm on board with this." Oh, you know, an older like widower and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a single mom. Like I'm into like age-appropriate love stories. And it was all going swimmingly. And then the end, I was like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> and then I noticed that every single Nicholas Sparks story ends with someone dying or both people dying. And I'm just like, this Or that sucks. one where his wife is a ghost. Oh, yeah. the Is that, what was that is called? Is that a Nicholas Safe Sparks? Harbor or something? Yeah. I think so. I think it is. Yeah. There are no ghosts in Dune. Not really. There's kind of. But they're not ghostly ghosts. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually, because we're um, 
you know, my other podcasts were doing, you know, were watching Shakespeare adaptations. So there's a bit of Hamlet in Dune. Like, oh, Dune yeah. definitely has elements of Hamlet in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah, I would say sure. even down to, like, the big fight at the end between, not to get into spoilers, but there's a big <laughs> knife fight at the end. Oh. And it it's very reminiscent of the of the big fight at the end of Hamlet. So And then they take all the bodies out because they have to clear the stage. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the king of, you know, the prince of Norway is taking over. So what are you going to do? You <laughs> just want to talk about Rufus Sewell. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Why isn't Rufus Sewell going to be in this movie? He's so good. Just oh. pops it at the end of Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Like, what up? It's Fortinbras. I've been here the whole time. Like, <laughs> Hello. What? No, you haven't. <laughs> Where did you come oh, from? Gosh. Norway. I love him so much. <laughs> I've been in Norway this whole time. Now I'm here. But I'm cool. I'm cooler than all this. Look at this. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone get a load of all this mess. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm Rufus Sewell. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He should have been. Big fan. In, he should have at least been in the, uh, the miniseries. I agree. I think he would have been a much better Duke Leto than William Hurt. That was who very is sleepwalking, casting. sleepwalking through that miniseries. Oh. Like, he can't be fucked to act for anything in that. He's just <laughs> like, oh, here's my son, Paul. What's up? Hi. You're 29 <laughs> years old. And it's weird because I have seen, I, I'm also a big fan of Jane Eyre. This will surprise nobody. And I've seen, like, every adaptation of Jane Eyre that there is and the Franco Zeffirelli one from the 90s with him in it it's the same he's just like oh no I have another wife <laughs> he's <laughs> Rochester like, I've never yes, seen that he oh yes he is he plays Rochester oh, and no. uh, Charlotte Gainsborough plays Jane which whatever okay <laughs> I like Charlotte Gainsborough but yeah she's no Ruth okay Wilson, but I like her fine Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, that's neither same. here nor there. It's just like, when did William Hurt give up? Is uh, what I want to know. Did he get an Oscar? Probably after that. <laughs> I don't remember. No, because he's in Children of a Lesser God. I think Marley Matlin won mm -hmm. the Oscar for that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like his 80s career was pretty, you know, he was pretty on fire and I, I enjoyed him and stuff. Yeah, he won for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Which I think was a pretty good movie. I mean, I'm not saying that he has always been just sleeping through movies, but I would say since the mid-90s. Oh, Broadcast to... News. He's great in Broadcast News. Yeah, but <laughs> Welcome this was to the William Hurt podcast. Mid-90s, mid like later mid-90s, like 95 and on. I, you know, I found it. Yeah. AI. Oh, fuck that movie. Everyone gave up around AI. Ugh. Except you, Law. He was the only person acting in that movie. God, I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite movie of oh, all time. Well, Everlasting? I would oh. say my second least favorite movie of all time. My well, least right. favorite he movie is of in all the time. Village. Yeah, he is. And he's asleep in that one, too. He's 
He's, he's asleep in a history of violence. Yeah, no, he's a little right. more awake this. in the Avengers movies and like yeah. Captain America. He's a little, he's a little more perky. But I feel like that's perky. because like you have actors like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans who just sort of like elevate mm-hmm. everyone. I feel like they because they're just so charismatic and personable. Oh, he's in Winter's Tale. I mean, <laughs> who saw that? <laughs> Did anyone see Winter's Tale? The the gentleman of We Hate Movies. Oh yeah, that's right. I think the <laughs> Flophouse did it as well. Oh yeah. So then there we go. Mm-hmm. That's and to bring it back to Rufus Sewell, Dark City. I don't even oh. remember him being in Dark City. That's how like not like how much impact his acting has had since the mid nineties. All right, I'm looking at the miniseries now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah there's so many of these people are just like I don't know who you are I'm very sorry <laughs> you were from the Czech Republic and I'm sure mm-hmm. the actress that played Lady Jessica she's a British like character actor and she's shown up on one of my favorite shows Midsummer Murders which has featured every actor in England at some point yes mm-hmm. yeah, but only in the first one because then it was the Borg Queen in the second one. Oh yeah Alice Kirsch I'm just going to call her the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's, she's a ghost great. story as well. Um, yeah, so that had nothing, little to nothing to do with Dune. But hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, just tangentially re- related to Dune. But I mean, we've already talked about the chapter. That's yeah. the chapter. And now we have to look forward to what happens next um, with Paul and Jessica. Because looks like the Harkonnens have officially sort of, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. had their coup what gets me especially in the upcoming chapters mm-hmm. is that stuff starts happening where they realize all the various bits of the plot that are that are moving ahead like one of the big features I mean, i'm just gonna is that there are certain military elements that are in disguise mm-hmm. and everyone is just like oh I bet this is happening so that people will think this other thing is happening. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't a very successful ruse if everyone is like, <laughs> oh, I know why you would do that. <laughs> like, ah. Yeah. Like, well, I just... mean, we've already talked about the Sardaukar coming in disguised yes. as Harkonnen agents because they talked about it in an earlier chapter. Oh, well, then there we go. Yeah. But they are, there, some of them are in, yeah, so it's just, they, some of them do things in Atreides uniforms so that, you know, people will yeah. think the Atreides just went, like, bananas and yeah just out of nowhere suddenly yeah that's the other thing but i mean i guess we've <laughs> sort of been led to to know that the rest of of you know the great houses all kind of suck and mm-hmm. would likely just go oh well yeah obviously they would do that yeah how does it affect me yeah it's it's interesting because it's kind of like shows how people and how societies how quickly they adapt to really shitty like situations with like their government or their you know their their ruling body the ruling class or whatever i mean mm-hmm. because even just look at us for example <laughs> yeah cuz people just people adapt people just they have to live their lives and that's kind of mm-hmm. i feel like part like part of it is just like they're not going to notice for first of all the atreides haven't been there that long so they don't like have any real sense of who these people are yeah i mean 
And we really don't get a lot of information about how the regular people react mm-hmm. to any of this at all. Yeah. You know, unless you're going to count. I mean, because I'm not going to count the Fremen as mm-hmm. part of, of that kind of community, that population. Right. Uh, yeah. So they have their they, own thing going on. Yeah. They're doing their own thing. <laughs> uh, their own Fremen thing out there in the desert. So I do have something to mention, and it is Dune-related or Dune-adjacent. Ooh. Um, we recently got news that, of all people, they've given Brian Herbert the, like, keys to run his own, like, to his own Dune property. So he's going to have his own Dune television show. Brian Herbert. Hmm. Brian Herbert. Our favorite. I mean, no disrespect to Brian Herbert. I mean, he definitely, he took, you know, a franchise that, you know, obviously had ended or whatever. And mm-hmm. sort of, I would say, brought new life into it in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not my favorite part of Dune by any means. Uh, no shade on people that do like those books if you like them. Then that's fine. It's okay yeah. to like a book. Yeah. I, I like lots of books, and not all of them are books that other people like. So mm-hmm. it's totally fine. I'm I just, just very dubious of this news. I just don't have a lot of patience for a ton of, of prequel material. Right. And there's no word yet if this is actually going to be. Yeah. I just meant the book. Yeah. Series. A lot of the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. Yeah, because a prequels, I feel like I can't even remember one that's really done well that I've that I've read. Because I feel like they're very frequently they can border on very fanficy. Mm-hmm. Same with, well, with sequels, like unauthorized on sequels. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's there's it a place for place, that. For like sure. I've definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed some things that are like, like when I was a young. You know, musical theater obsessed young person. I with all of your Phantom of the Opera fanfic. And this book that I <laughs> loved very much is a novel by Susan Kay called Phantom, which is mm-hmm. like a prequel, like biography of the Phantom yeah. of the Opera. And that's an excellent book. And it's very well written and it's very well researched. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of stuff from the original Leroux novel to kind of, you know, fill in blanks. Yeah. There is one plot element that I dislike because I dislike it in all media, which is the, oh my God, this girl looks exactly like my dead mother trope. Because mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah, it's strange. Um, And I don't think it adds anything to anything except that, <laughs> you know, there's a moment where it's like, what? But <laughs> other than that, you know, but that is something that works. I just found with the little bits of the prequel, like Dune novels that I've read that I just... They frustrated me. Yeah, it's just not for me because I feel like it's more, they're, it's hard to explain. They're a little bit more soap operatic. Yes. Yeah, then and less about like the wider universe and the politics and all the machinations mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes. It's all very much like this character was feeling this at this time and it's just like where I feel like if the two could marry you know if we could get something that was 
both like Frank and Brian Herbert's sort of tone and style, then I would be happy because I feel like a lot of times with Frank Herbert's Dune, like with the original trilogy, like I want to know what some of these characters are thinking and what they're doing and their backstory and everything about them. Not all of them. (laughs) Not every single (laughs) one of them. I don't need a book about the sandworms. No, it's the only one I want. (laughs) I mean, it might be. But, like, I don't give a shit about House Carino. No. It's stuff like that. I'm just like, eh, who needs this? And it feels a little bit like a cash grab. But I'm not. It's certainly, like, obviously fans are buying these books. So, you know, there's a demand for them. Mm Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with because we've already got our Bene Gesserit show in the works, so I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess the show about the Fremen? A show about Liet would be really interesting, I Mm -hmm. feel like. Yeah, I think, like, the Fremen would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like I think of anything else and I go, I don't need a whole show about that. Yeah. And I, I just... And I mean, I'm biased towards this because I've heard it's actually a, a pretty good show. But it's mm-hmm. for me, it's whenever I'm on, you know, Facebook and I get an ad for the show Krypton. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, I kind of know how that ends up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. I also I don't care about Lobo. I just it's not the '90s. I don't care about that. Was Superman. really I'm just gonna be really upset about it. Like, I'm not a Superman person. I don't mind Superman. I just am like, okay. He's so boring. He's just boring. I don't know if I think he's boring necessarily. I think he can be used in a boring manner. Mm. I just really like the, you know, the the 70s movie, Christopher Reeve. Like, let's just watch that all the time. That's good. You know? That to me. Uh, moving on, we <laughs> haven't gotten any, um, now I hope it didn't stir a bunch of shit with that, but anyway, um, <laughs> we haven't gotten any new reviews, so obviously you guys don't want these Dune trading cards, I see how it is, um, we did get some fun stuff on our Facebook wall, most notably and most recently, um, they are re-releasing board games, like, yes dune board games so um we had one listener posted some pictures and it's like dune pogs it's really great i wish we lived closer because i would we'd have to buy one of these games oh for sure even though i test games unless it's a video game where i'm holding a controller i'm not a fan games i sometimes if if you know, directions and instructions for a game are very complicated. I kind of am like, well, now this isn't fun because I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about what these rules are. But I feel this, you know, and this is going to sound kind of bad, but I feel like that's mm-hmm. what our husbands are for. Because <laughs> the two no, of them, real. I think, are a little more rules of a board game oriented. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the first thing my husband does when he gets a new board game is open up, crack open that rule book. Yep. Read it cover to cover. <laughs> just like this is dumb. Oh. Let's just play. <laughs> we'll make our oh bo- my God. <laughs> we'll make the rules up as we go. When will they have their spin-off podcast? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the husbands of Let's Get Weirding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we should really let we should really turn it over to them for an episode. <laughs> the real husbands of Let's Get Weirding. <laughs> <laughs> They would not discuss oh. Dune. It would all be, I don't even know. Like, Magic the Gathering, Magic probably. Gathering, like, various 
fantasy sci-fi properties mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in print, in film, in television. Oh, sure. The Wheel of Time. Beards. Yeah, yeah. Beards. Beard stuff. They both have those. <laughs> yeah. So um, even though we have not gotten any new reviews, we have gotten some likes and retweets on our um, trading card post. So uh, Andrew R., thank you for that. Um, everyone... Let's see. Dune read through. Thank you. Klaus, thank you. Um, we did get a a message from Crom Servo. Uh, <laughs> it's a picture of Yui with a, <laughs> a shampoo or conditioner bottle and it says Imperial Conditioner. Um, the delicate like soother. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. I'm I am into it. We love it when people send us fan art. <laughs> also, on our Facebook page, there someone has posted uh, a PDF of mm-hmm. the Dune coloring book. Oh yeah! So you could print that and and color it for yourself. Yeah. yeah, and please send us, you know, pictures of that because I love a good coloring book. Yeah. I just yeah. haven't printed out because it'll be stolen by my toddler. What does she know about Dune? <laughs> Not a thing. Well, there's no better time to start indoctrinating <laughs> your child into Dune universe you, than you now. You can color that picture of Kyle MacLachlan until you can tell me at least five titles from his IMDb filmography. Let's hear them. <laughs> Let's hear them. The Flintstones. <laughs> yeah. She's like, is he on Daniel Tiger? Because that's really... <laughs> that's really all she knows. <laughs> he probably would be, though. I won't mention it to him on Twitter because he'd be like, sure. No, Kyle. No, you're going... This isn't your... This is destroying the entire thing. The delicate fabric of my parental lies. Uh, but yeah, so that's very exciting because I love that coloring book. It is... What a ridiculous yeah. tie-in. <laughs> To the movie yeah. Dune I by know. David Lynch. It's really, it's almost Lynchian, one would say. Because <laughs> it's before so, kind of, you know, adult coloring book culture. Oh, for sure. For as sure. a thing. Uh, which, you know, you for know. the kids. <laughs> Frank Herbert's Dune. For the kids. But it's funny because so many of our guests that we've had on the show, like, first saw Dune as a kid on HBO. True. So it, it is, I mean, yeah. it has to okay. be a thing. It, it certainly had its kid audience. It had a kid in it. Alicia Witt. Oh, I was saying. Yeah. Kid. <laughs> she was very weak. She's so tiny. She's so small. One of the cards that I got is a shot from the very end where she's standing next to Kyle McLaughlin and it's just like, oh, that they brought this little wee girl. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kyle was pretty young when they made this, but, but she's, very she's tall. Yeah, she's like tiny. Six. Yeah. <laughs> so you were discussing another naughty boy earlier. <laughs> so I was thinking today as I read ahead that, that Paul becomes a real pill when he starts to kind of more come into his own because mm-hmm. and I get that there's a lot of really confusing things happening. He does get very, you know, he starts kind of blaming his mother, which I get it. Like I get those elements because he is realizing that all the stuff that's sort of happening to him and that he's realizing he can see and do and the dreams he's having are partially because his mom was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if I had 
I would have had me a magic boy. Um, <laughs> so I get those elements of it. But yeah. it just it reminded me of another literary teen who is not very nice to his mother. Yeah. Uh young Roland Chain. Yeah. Uh the gunslinger who, himself. Aren't they making they're making a series about young Roland? Oh, if great. I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. they are. Um and that I at least that temper gets tempered by the fact that you know, we encounter Roland as an older man and he can kind of go, eh, I was kind of an ass. Yeah, he like, actually like were made. has regrets. Yes. Yeah. Whereas Paul's I like, know. I don't know. Mm. I it I maybe I regret stuff. I don't know. I'm just gonna walk in the desert and die. Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert, guys, by the way. Yeah. Also, if you haven't read Dude before, why do you like this is a podcast <laughs> of spoilers. Right. <laughs> um yeah, and, and it just, yeah, it was just one of those things where I started thinking about it just more and more, and I was like, just all these these teens, they're, they're bad attitudes. <laughs> I know, it's exhausting. <laughs> Thinking they know everything and worshipping their dads. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, dads and totally die. shitting on their moms. Yeah, exactly. You know, their dads, their dads die and mm-hmm. they blame stuff on their mothers and they don't ever take into consideration that their mothers are actual people. Yeah. With actual other things going on. Yeah. And maybe like, you know, maybe in some cases, and I think especially in Roland's case, like the dad in question is maybe not a great guy. Like, maybe I mean, you're looking at him with a child's eyes. And maybe if your dad is gone, like, 50 weeks out of the year, mm-hmm. and your mom has nothing to do and is bored and lonely and susceptible to influence, yeah. and there's a freaking wizard in the castle, <laughs> right. you can kind of feel a little like maybe she wasn't entirely making her own choices and decisions. Right. When it comes to having an affair with said wizard. But or you can just be fourteen. Right. And a real jerk in a cowboy hat. I don't think he had the cowboy hat yet, but we're gonna go with it. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's and I, you know, and that's again, it's it's teenagers and Paul is realizing that so many things that make you know, because he keeps considering himself a freak. Mm-hmm. Um it isn't until he has some more kind of experiences that he realizes that, you know, he, he isn't, that this is all like part of something greater and mm-hmm. he is something greater and all of that. But he's just, I, and it's the flaw for me of characters that, yes, are teenagers, but we're supposed to, you know, oh, but they're the protagonist. And so therefore... Mm-hmm. It's like, as, yeah, I mean, every 14, 15 year old has has plenty of moments where they're just like, oh, oh yeah, my parents do I can think of a handful uh, from my teen years. Yeah, exactly. I'm not proud of now, but. But it's very frustrating when these are characters that are presented as heroes, heroes. Yeah, that we're supposed to be like rooting Although... for and rallying behind. Like, I mean, it's easy to rally behind these characters. But at the same time, it's just like, I think it's important to not lose sight of the fact that they're also like humans and that humans do on occasion kind of suck and make bad decisions. Yeah. And again, like with Roland, he acknowledges that. Like Mm -hmm. we get more of him thinking about this and being like, 
that was you know wrong and I did incorrect things. Yeah. So who do you think uh, is more of a of a hero then, Roland, Roland. Or, or you do? Yeah, Roland, it's yeah. hard. It's yeah. I guess so. I guess so. I'm I'm just thinking like it's really hard to sort of separate the two. I, but R- Roland it's, might kill a whole town of people. He didn't go off into the galaxy and start just killing everyone. And they were trying to kill him, to be fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is an entire town of people who are yeah. actively attempting to kill him. Sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> if you haven't read The Gunslinger, by the way, it really uh, deserves a- another try. It's really good. Yes. And I do think that a lot of my reaction and my thinking of this is tempered by the fact that I do not super enjoy Wizard and Glass, mm-hmm. which is the book that features Teen Roland. Yeah. Uh, so... A lot of that is colored by just me going, when will this book be over? We can get back to what's actually going on. Oh, but it was the last well-written of that series. I know. I really spend a lot of time hating on those last three books. They just make me so mad. (laughs) And and I'm a a little softer towards them now because, like, he did, you know, come off of that accident thinking, I could die at any minute. And I have yeah. this magnum opus that is unfinished. So, yeah. And I do think that... I do think a lot of my opinions are also colored by just that the only Frank Herbert I've ever read mm-hmm. is the Dune series. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've never read any wrote. of his other stuff. Yeah, I've never read any of his other stuff. I don't really know a ton about him. Mm-hmm. And Stephen King, I have read... Almost all of his books. Yeah. I follow him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> He's very much a dad. He's very dad. Dad on Twitter. Yeah. And so I do think that there, there's, there is that element of, even if I read something of his that I don't particularly care for, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, well, it's Stephen King. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm usually like, it's, I'm reliably entertained, yes. even if it's not my favorite. Like I, I mean. Unless it's Dreamcatcher. You know, I actually enjoyed reading Dreamcatcher more than huh. I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I'll say well, that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I, d- I didn't particularly care for the way it ended. But, um, that, yeah. That, for me, was was sad because Needful was... Things was one that really pissed me off. And I don't think I, I've gone back to I, that one. There's a reference. There's a reference to Needful Things today. I mean, mm-hmm. so this is, at this point, the, the third. I'll just throw that out there. It's the third, guys. Um, two Needful Things on Twitter that was made by a mutual friend of ours that I had forgotten entirely. And I just went like, oh, no. <laughs> now I remember. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just my, my problem with Dreamcatcher the movie was just that that, I think, was, like, the first big sort of Damien Lewis thing after Foresight Saga. Oh, yeah. And we were all just like, what's he going to do? He's going to be an American. He's so good at in Foresight Saga. Like, he's so easy to hate. Oh, Please welcome to our Foresight Saga podcast. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) Where we will be discussing the Foresight Saga, which I have read several times and have seen. And... Where's why is it? This is another this is stuff? this is another case though of like here like quote unquote heroes being like kind of shitty because like young Jolian. 
like, oh. leaves his whole family and his daughter to go like <laughs> be with the nanny and has a bunch of kids he with her. With the nanny, one yeah. Time. Oh man, it was like, oh my life has changed. I don't like having to wear a dinner suit <laughs> and being part of this wealthy family. I want, I want to go do... be the next Monet. <laughs> I want to do terrible paintings and grow awful facial hair. And my name is Julian, and I'm going to name my children Holly and Jolly. I know. Um, And all because I thought my wife was a little uptight, but the nanny, like, did it with me in the hallway or whatever it is. Oh, the Foresight Saga, ladies and gentlemen, read it. Yeah, really read it. It's really good. (laughs) It's really good. Um, But that's unfortunately neither here nor it's interesting though i mean i feel like i I, i'm trying to think of like female heroes that have that are maybe not great people and like the list for me isn't that long like maybe sookie stackhouse sookie i don't know sookie's all right she's not horrible she's just she's She's just not I mean, she has like you know, she's doing her best. I feel like, but like the one I like book Sookie better than I do. Oh, for TV sure, show. for sure. Sookie. But the one I'm thinking of might be like um, Sarah from Orphan Black, or even Sarah Connors from Terminator. Like mm-hmm. maybe those are female heroes that maybe toe the line between being an asshole and <laughs> being Scarlet like, O'Hara. Scarlet, yeah. Yeah, Scarlet was doing what she had to do. No, that okay. So I have many thoughts about that because yeah. I enjoy Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly problematic. Oh, for sure. Um, but especially when I read the book, having seen the movie a bunch of times, mm-hmm. you know, because my mom and I would always watch it when it was on TV. You know, like we love old movies, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. When I finally read the book, it was very eye-opening because I think that they don't entirely get across in the movie how completely useless every other character in that book is, yeah. in that story is except for scarlet you know yes she acts selfishly yes she does some pretty wretched things mm-hmm. but also no one in her family would have been eating yeah you know uh and it's just you know honestly when it comes down to it the two people in that entire story who have any amount of personal strength whatsoever are scarlet and melanie yeah i mean and that took a lot you know when i was you know a kid watching the movie i was like well melanie's really boring and, and <laughs> you know but then when you become i think when you get older you realize that you know she's i mean even a lot even watching the movie as an adult versus seeing it as a kid or a teenager like i have more respect for melanie as an adult than i did as a kid because you know she does have her moments of of like strength and fortitude and she's always got scarlet's back so i think you realize or i did at least as an adult that it does take a lot more strength sometimes to not like flip out at things Mm -hmm. you know scarlet is is very obviously very reactionary yeah and doesn't consider stuff and you know it's you know, just even the sequences where, you know, someone will say, like, oh, my God, Scarlet sucks. She's the worst. And Melanie says, like, well, no, like, she's doing all this. She's pulling everything together. Like, to yeah. see the good in people isn't always naive. It can be, you know, insightful. Yeah. And, and know, hard strong. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it can actually be challenging. But also being married to Ashley. Yeah. Would be a trial <laughs> for any 
woman. Jesus. Fuck that guy. The what worst. happens? The funniest thing in that book for me for that is that one of just so they say in the movie there is that quick line of how the Wilkes's always marry their cousins yeah. and that's why everyone knows Ashley's not going to marry Scarlett he's going to marry Melanie because it's always been like preordained mm-hmm. in the book there is a whole aside where the mother the mother of one of the families is like this like you know really like smart businesswoman horsewoman and so she's friends with Scarlett's dad and she basically is just like you can't just keep when you breed horses you don't just keep breeding them to family members they get weak and weird like you don't do it with people either and everyone's just like mom you can't oh my god you can't talk about horse breeding (laughs) and the dad's you know and mr o'hara is just like yeah no she's right (laughs) yeah they left that part out of the movie but that's these two like middle-aged people being like oh a weird family you can't just keep marrying people you're related to (laughs) you got to bring in some new blood yeah i mean that's also a problem i think in the dune universe it is because like come on guys this is why the penny chester have to have an elaborate breeding program because y'all just messing it up yeah yeah i mean leto too really fucks things up for them doesn't he and they are going to figure some, there is going to be a little bombshell about uh, the Harkonnen family line mm-hmm. coming up. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten that that was just this, like, by the way, also this. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> isn't there enough going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> isn't this poor woman dealing with enough? Um, oh, my God. Poor so Jessica. Angry. Yeah. Jessica all the time. <laughs> all the time. Well, uh, I think that will probably wrap us up. I think it does. (laughs) Well, as always, we would love to hear from you, your experiences reading Dune, how you came to Dune. Did you see this movie as a child? We want Mm -hmm. to know. (laughs) You can reach us on Twitter at WeirdingPod. Our email is WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. We love to get letters. We love to read them. Tell us if you saw this movie as a child. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to show us your covers, your fan art. Um, hashtag send dunes. We're still running it. We're still, I still check it, um, every day. So give us a, send us some mail and we'll read it on the air. Yes, please. Yes. On the air, on the show. (laughs) It's kind of on the air. It's kind of on the air. Uh, so that'll do it for this week. Thanks everyone. Bye.